With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix, Rohan, Nad and Chris Herring. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Maddox, joined for the first time in what feels like a long time by two colleagues over at Sports Illustrated, Chris Herring and Rohan Nagati. Guys, good to be back with you with, uh, what, uh, three weeks, I guess, before official media days. I saw some postings, Rohan, as you shake your head. Uh, I saw some postings about media days being October 2nd. I guess that's the the go-to day for most of the NBA teams, but we're inching right up on it. I just can't believe we're here. It feels like the season just ended. I'm I'm excited. I, I just I'm not mentally prepared for this. Yeah, I can sense the excitement in your voice. I can say it's palatable. I can sense <laughs> that excitement in your voice. Um all right, so on this episode, guys, I want to talk about uh you know teams that we're bullish on and teams that we might be a little bit bearish on. We're each going to pick a team that we're high on, and we'll pick a team that we're low on. Before we get to that, though, we're recording this shortly after Adam Silver's uh, post-Board of Governors media availability. And this media availability, the biggest storyline to come out of it was the NBA Board of Governors. They approved a new player participation policy, which is really a continuation in the NBA's war on load management and, to a broader extent, their war on tanking. And a couple of the highlights of this new player participation policy, the policy is uh, manage its ro- teams have to manage their rosters to ensure that no more than one star player is unavailable for the same game, ensure that star players are available for all national television and NBA in-season tournament games, another new wrinkle to the NBA calendar, and maintain a balance between the number of one-game absences for a star player in home and road games. Basically, this 
combined with uh, the minimum threshold for uh, number in terms of number of games played for stars to be eligible for postseason awards. This is just another lever, uh, Chris Herring, that the NBA is pulling to make sure that or do whatever they can to make sure that players are as available as often as possible. How do you feel about the player participation policy, which is now uh, permanently part of the NBA rules? Look, I I think it goes a little bit further than I would have gone with it, frankly. I mean, I remember when the Spurs were, you know, doing this and sitting entire, you know, half their roster out. Um, but it was the Spurs, and there's a part of me that feels like they know what's best for them as far as their rest. Sometimes they have a lot of old players on their team uh, just because of the sorts of guys that you know tend to gel with the way Popovich coaches them. Uh, if you want to do that and you have the the ability to do it and still pace your team the way you want to, so be it. That's the point of the league. I understand that there's a money factor to it and everything else. Um And I understand the disappointment that fans feel. I've been in that boat where I've gone to games or taken my nephew to a game and and somebody sitting out. And it is frustrating. And I can only imagine how frustrating it is for people that only get to go to one game every few years or something like that. But it's also kind of the risk you run with a sport that relies on people's health. And so I I am interested to see how it's going to work when you have guys that that have stuff that they're trying to manage – uh, the Clippers are always a, an interesting team like that where people have complained about the way they do stuff for years, but they also have a guy that is chronically injured. And so I'm curious to see how it will play and how it will actually look. But there's a part of me that feels like the real the real fix to this is just either shortening the season or lengthening the season and allowing the 82 games to be played over a longer span of time. I don't really love the idea that you're going to tell teams that they can't sit out even multiple guys if they want to or if they frankly feel like they need to, if there's data that's telling them that that is what would serve their team the best. Rowan, what do you think? Yeah, you know, you guys ever on Twitter and you see one of those like absurd stats that someone pulled together and it's like, uh, this player is the first guy since 1972 on Tuesdays to average eight points, nine assists, and six blocks. Like That's what this feels like it is. It's you can rest a star player unless they played a certain number of minutes in a certain specific situation, blah, blah. It's so convoluted and so arbitrary. Uh, I find it a little bit ridiculous. And I do think this is going to have less of an impact than I think the league intends even. I, I think that they don't want, like Chris has mentioned, 10 years ago when the Spurs are sitting out their three best players against the Heat and Pop sending them home in a Southwest flight. I think the league's trying to avoid that situation. You know, the rest has turned into load management or injury management, um, knee soreness, etc. Teams are creative in finding ways that if you need to get guys on the injury report, they will. And I, I don't know how stringent these league investigations are going to be, but it just is the way the NBA is kind of throwing all kinds of crazy rules into the regular season, starting with this in-season tournament, which is an idea that I'm I'm a fan of even, but they keep trying to throw these changes in there to make the regular season more important that it's I wouldn't say they're they're taking away from the spirit of the game but people are talking about we want the regular season to matter the NBA is like artificially inserting itself into the regular season by coming up with all these rules in a way that I don't think is good like Chris said um if teams are comfortable resting guys if they feel like it's necessary um because they want to keep players fresh for the playoffs and I think that that's a team's right to do that 
Nah, there's I mean, so many I, factors. I, 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 I disagree with that. I, I look. I, I think the NBA. You know, one of the problems they've had over the last couple of decades is, and this is especially, uh, especially when it comes to medical staff. There are too many cooks in the kitchen. There, there just are. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Not not to get all kind of remember the time and and way back in the day, but I mean, teams <laughs> just have one trainer and like maybe an assistant on that staff. Now they've got multiple mm-hmm. trainers, a bunch of guys from Australia, and you know, a a a just <laughs> a why they catch the straight. He's hey, the, the NBA. The NBA went through a cycle where like every team had somebody, you know, some kind of sports scientist from Australia on that staff. I just they and I'm not blaming them for load management, but I just think there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to medical decisions. And I'm sorry, you you don't need to rest guys this often. And I'm just kind of tired of like the NBA's a grind. It's 82 game seasons. You're not busing from city to city. You are flying when you have to on private jets and you are staying at five-star hotels. You have every meal of yours catered. And when you get to the playoffs, which teams are supposedly saving these guys for, you don't play every other day. You don't. You play at most, what, every two days? In the first round, it's like every three days, it feels like. So I don't I don't buy this whole need to you know, keep guys fresh for the postseason, especially when we, especially Rowan. When we have we have so many examples of you know successful teams from the eighties, nineties, early two thousands that didn't do this, that didn't rest guys at the level guys are being rested today, and they had no problem playing at high level. They had no problem being super successful. I just feel like this load management um, for a lot of players, not every player, but for a lot of players, is just an artificially created element that. Uh, you know, I, I applaud the NBA for trying to phase out. I I will say as a fan, I get upset. I get as upset as anyone when I, I get excited for a regular season game. I literally look forward to certain matchups because of how excited I am to watch these two teams face off. And when I find out that the star players aren't going to be playing, it sucks, and I get it. I do think you're making a good point, which is the proliferate, pro, proliferation of these training staffs and the sports science Players know before seasons start now when they're likely to rest, when those when the games they're supposed to miss are coming up. Um, the, the teams have invested so much in these guys, and it, a lot of it, again, is it's the doctors making these decisions or the sports scientists making these decisions. I, I agree that, like, we, we are not – we don't get to see the evidence, right? I err on the side of the teams are doing this for a reason – I know that yeah, you, but their reasons are stupid. Their reasons are stupid sometimes. Like, like what, I also Luka, think the what, game what is, does Luka Doncic need a day off for? Like, what was that picture? I think it was in Oklahoma City where Luka didn't play uh, on some night because of rest. There was a kid in the stands like crying with the signs. I came to see Luka Doncic. Like, what is Luka Doncic aged like twenty two at that time? What does he need a day off for? Like, honestly. Because he has a 98% usage rate. I mean, oh, there's other things. Oh, cry me a river. You play 46 <laughs> minutes and you get into a, a, a scientifically specialized <laughs> cold tub or something like that. I mean, it's I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I'm not going to feel this overwhelming amount of sympathy for basketball players playing I, 40 minutes me, of basketball. I, uh, to me, it's not a sympathy thing, but I, there's clearly some reasoning why teams are doing it if they're willing to take the hit. Um, if they're willing, willing to take the losses it's during the regular mentality. season. It's a mob mentality, man. Like, you know, Pop did it and had success with it in the Spurs days. Now everybody's kind of doing it. And again, uh, let's blame Australia. Let's let's all oh, let's go <laughs> I, blame can Australia. I, can I say this yeah. one thing, though, just to get back to the one point that I'd made? And I get that, you know, I, I feel like lately I've had a lot of ideas that I can make them from my armchair because I'm not running the league or anything. And I'm not the one that runs the risk of losing money by implementing this idea. Uh 
if you were to shorten the season or make less games in the season, have for less games in the season, in doing that, you would you would inherently put more importance on each game because there's fewer of them. Uh, you have a more random chance of kind of teams finishing in different places standings-wise. The stuff that matters now as far as play-in spots and everything else matters so much more. With If you had 10 fewer games, that you can't fall behind in the standings and then expect to catch back up. So from that standpoint, that would be a way to kind of implement what Rohan's talking about of all these kind of like artificial ways that the league, in my opinion, with the in-season tournament and stuff, they're making the season more important, but they're it's been so watered down because of the teams trying to preserve guys or just holding them out. But you've also had now at a point where you've got a team like Dallas that is trying to miss the playoffs because of lottery positioning. So I think that the the real answer would be that the happy medium would be having a few less games. It would mean less money for the league, which I don't think they're willing to give that up. I don't know what it would take for that to be the case. Right. But here's the thing. I don't know how many things either you can like keep squeezing out of the regular season to try to make it seem more important than what it is. It, it, It doesn't need to be as long as it is. But you're absolutely right that the league's not going to just kind of bend the knee and say, well, let's take a hit money wise. Let's have stadiums that are full otherwise and let's just empty them for those extra five home games that we could otherwise have but let's be honest we're at a point now where we're seeing and the teams are conceding that the season really doesn't matter that much for 82 full games we know that no it, it, it doesn't um look and oh and look players are just as unlikely to say no to reducing the season as as owners are because they sure. want their piece of the pie like if the money's a Absolutely. little bit less tv revenue gate revenue the players would get a little bit less and they're not going to do that either i i do think i do kind of applaud the nba though for innovation over these last four or five years i mean the nobody can deny the play-in tournament is a rousing success like that yes. has done what the nba hoped it would do it is curb tanking and it's generated interest in the final stage of the regular season whereas that interest did not exist in like a third of the nba markets prior to the play-in tournament being phased in and look right now I think the in-season tournament's going to be kind of goofy because mm-hmm. I don't think, regardless of how much money is available to them, I don't think players will take it all that seriously. But this in-season tournament and how seriously players take it is not about how seriously LeBron takes it or Steph Curry takes it or Giannis Tentacumpo takes it. It's how seriously does like Cooper Flag take it or how seriously does you know a 12 or a 13-year-old that's just getting into NBA basketball who will start to think that this NBA Cup is kind of cool. The same way 12 and 13-year-olds over in Europe and other, na- other uh, parts of the world uh, take these in-season tournaments in soccer. So th- that's what the NBA is going for here. And I, I think in the long run, it is going to pay dividends. We will have more interest, more intensity in days and parts of the season, Rohan, that weren't interesting before. And if they can accomplish that, that's a big win for the NBA. Listen, I definitely respect the league for trying. And like I said, I'm into the in-season tournament. I think it's going to be fun. And I do think even players, as much as they say now they won't get into it, they think it's goofy. Once there's an idea of a trophy out there, I think people are going to want it. And I think people are going to go for it and make some kind of attempt to get it. I just, 
they just keep trying to figure out, you know, I think innovation's a strong word. They're just throwing a lot of stuff at the wall right that's now what innovation to see what is, works. I, I mean, that, that's exactly yeah. the definition of innovation. Like, it doesn't, yeah. nobody, there's no light bulb that goes off in somebody's yeah. head and said, this is the idea that's going to work. You got to try a bunch of crap. But I can tell you from, from reporting on this, like, the NBA had some wacky ideas for an in-season tournament. They were talking about bringing in, like, Real Madrid and teams from overseas to compete in the tournament to that, space that out over the been course. That would have been into. That, All right, yeah. well, maybe. I'm just saying. But, like, they, they yeah. tried and had a lot yeah. of different ideas. This was the one they were able to kind of get broad agreement on, and that's why it's it's going into place uh, next season. But, I, I look, I think it's... I think the in-season tournament is going to be a good idea. And, I, look, one thing I, I think I have to add to this is... That any decision the NBA makes on uh, load management or play-in tournament or in-season tournament, the bottom line is money. The the reason they are doing this is money. And with the in-season tournament, that's something that when the rights deals expire at the end of this year... They're going to be able to go to market with the in-season tournament as a standalone kind of entity. They can sell this by itself outside of the traditional uh, rights deal. Um, and it also goes to the load management part because the NBA knows that the day is coming when fans consume the NBA a la carte. We know the cable bundle is unwinding. The cable bundle at its peak, I mean, the NBA didn't have to care about who was watching which team? Because you throw a game on TNT, that's what the point is. You're, you're watching that. Put on ESPN, you're watching that. There's going to come a time in the not-so-distant future where most NBA fans are consuming their team. So the NBA wants to make each team as interesting as possible. That's what goes into this whole fight against load management. That's what goes into this push for parity, the desire to have as many teams good as possible, because the NBA wants to make sure that when the time comes where you you're not just relying on cable and the money coming in from TNT and ESPN to fill your coffers, that they're as prepared for it as they possibly can be. I do think that's very interesting, and that's kind of a an interesting looming factor and an aspect to add to this discussion that goes beyond shortening the games, etc. I would just, I just, in terms of Herring's point of shortening the season, I think we're all in agreement. No one's willing to take the the hit in terms of money, etc. Here's what I'd say. And the days of comparing the NBA to the NFL are over. But the NFL does get more TV money for significantly less games, right? I mean, they play a fraction of the games the NBA plays. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm I'm an economist over here and I'm putting on my, my finance hat and if they played 58 games and just played every team twice, um, they might be able to still make up that money because the interest in the games is more. The players are playing. We know what nights NBA games are on. They play two days a week, and the season takes 29 weeks, etc. I don't know. I just, it's not, I don't think it should be dismissed entirely, but I, I just don't know how you study that is the problem. I don't know, I don't know how no, you, you study you, that and find out if that's even viable. You would have to take one step back to risk taking two steps forward. I mean, it's not apples to apples, but I have this argument with, people in boxing all the time but I say look an $80 pay-per-view is just way too high like why don't you make it $40 and I bet you have more people buying and the total revenue will go up they some of these people agree with me but Hmm. nobody's willing to take that risk and nobody in the NBA is willing to take a risk to take less money in the short term for the hope that they'll make more money uh, long term Herring any final thoughts on this before we've been all over the place on this first topic but no I think it 
I, I think it's a really good analogy, and it's again, I why I led with the point because I'm sure someone listening to this will be like, "Man, Herring had the stupidest suggestion." Like as you guys have repeatedly <laughs> people said, people were killing me. People were killing me for. And I was like, "This is what I get for sending out a half thought out tweet." People, I like, mean, oh, you know, this guy wants to shorten the season. When in doubt, you know what, don't but, tweet, Rohan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the the idea is again, I can say it because I'm not the one making the decision. But for me, as someone that just wants to watch quality basketball and i i have been kind of shouting from the rooftops for the last couple of years my least favorite portion of the nba calendar is what the one that should be the most exciting is the stuff after the trade deadline when a lot of teams have kind of already packed it in fundamentally uh, instead you have dallas trying to take a step back and you've got teams that are kind of trying out guys for next year and that should be an exciting time of year but it a lot of times it ends up being just blowout city where you've got I remember writing a story about this a year or two ago where you had one night there were like three or four 20-point games, and it's just kind of like, what are we doing? Um, so I, I'm a fan of watching the most competitive basketball I can. If that would mean fewer games and it wasn't substantially fewer, it was five, ten fewer, I'd be all for that. If it built for a little bit more rest time, a little bit more prep time, less need for guys to sit out. Um, but again, I, I understand too, that there's a financial interest in it for everybody, not the least of which is the guys that are kind of the fringe guys on these rosters that can't afford to cut their salary by nine, 10% or more than that. If we were to talk about it being a season that was two thirds as long. So I understand that. Hey, I think that th- you're going to have a ultra competitive season this year. If for no other reason, then games in November and December are really going to count, you know, and I uh, mean, maybe more so than they have in years past, I was having a conversation with a Western Conference GM earlier this week, and I said to him, "Like I have, as I've made out my preseason standing predictions, I have had your team third and twelfth. Like seriously, that that's how <laughs> close I think the Western Conference is going to be with teams really one through twelve there being really good, with only Houston, Portland, and San Antonio looking like they are going to be really bad. Uh, so you know, these games in November and December." If teams aren't competitive in them, then they'll pay the price for it at the end yeah. of the season. Mannix, real quick, did I so did I get ripped off by paying a hundred bucks for Mayweather and McGregor a few years ago? No, I mean you you if you I mean you can't say that that <laughs> if you enjoyed you, it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, had a great I, time. I don't know why no, you no, enjoyed it. Look, I didn't pay for it. Like I thought it was stupid. And I, I knew exactly what the outcome was going to be. I, look, I said that. I wrote that. I mean, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, MMA yeah. guys will never beat boxing guys. That's why if anybody is thinking about buying Tyson Fury against Francis Ngannou, thinking Ngannou is going to do anything but get knocked the f out, uh, do not, do not, do not go and buy that. But that fight, you know, McGregor Mayweather made like what? Yeah. $400 million, I don't know, whatever, yeah. whatever it was, some absurd number uh, in total revenue. So they made the right call with that price point. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The other uh, topic that Adam Silver briefly discussed was uh, the issues with Kevin Porter Jr., who was arrested in New York this week uh, for domestic violence. He allegedly uh, assaulted a girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend of his, uh, caused a broken vertebrae, which, you know, is is awful. So some of these allegations, they're bad. Even Adam Silver, he said, he described them as horrific. Uh, as I'm reading uh, the the... The, the accusations, fractured neck vertebrae and a cut above her right eye. That's according to the prosecutors in that case. Adam Silver said the NBA was going to follow the collectively bargained domestic violence uh, you know, protocols. He, he did say that you know the NBA will take the next couple of weeks to, to look into this and decide whether Kevin Porter Jr. can go to training camp with the Rockets. Herring, I would be shocked, shocked beyond words if Kevin Porter Jr. is at training camp with Houston. I think the least the NBA is going to do is tell him to stay home. He'll continue to get paid, but these allegations are gross. These allegations are awful, and unless there is some new evidence that comes forward uh, that you know changes what this looks like, uh, I don't believe Kevin Porter Jr. will be at Rockets training camp. What are your thoughts on all this? I mean, can I be real for a minute? And and again, maybe this is me and maybe I'm doing too much of this. Maybe we need the NBA back so that I can start thinking more like a commissioner or someone that has a, you know, a, a, someone that's a decision maker here. I, 
I don't want to see the guy back in the league if this stuff was true. And obviously it either is or it's not. I know there are allegations. I know that there's a process that has to play out. This, the details of this, and I, I, I don't want to think that this is why I feel more strongly about it, but maybe it plays a part. Now, you didn't mention it. This was a top five WNBA pick, too. Um, so this is, you know, it, it's, it's not that you're looking at situations and you're saying, well, men are stronger than women or anything like that, although I think a lot of people would agree with that, and it, it is particularly dangerous. This is a professional athlete that he did this to. Um, this is someone that, on some level, you're looking at the, the circumstances and the allegations. There were other things the prosecutors brought up about maybe him having rammed his car into hers at one point. This is just particularly gross stuff, really abusive sounding stuff for someone that already kind of had a checkered off court history anyway. So from where I sit, if any of this stuff is true, and again, th- there's a whole lot of, uh, hospital notes and stuff like that that suggested something really heinous happened here that went beyond just oh he hit her once uh which would be bad enough on its own i'm not particularly interested in having people like this in the league period and it 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 makes me wonder like you know in light of the miles bridges stuff and yes he he was out for a season essentially he's gonna get 10 more games this season there were a lot of people that felt like in light of that that maybe it should have been stronger than that. I don't. I, I know that there aren't leagues that have zero tolerance policies for stuff, but this hearing the details of this case made me wonder: like, what would it take for us to get there mm-hmm. at some point for a league that? Um, I think the NBA has a lot of things that they can look at and say that they have championed women more than other sports leagues have. They they had a huge role in the founding of the WNBA. The, the last thing Adam Silver said at the end of his press conference today was to go watch the WNBA playoffs, which start tonight. So I think that you've seen a lot of people step up to try to champion that league more. It just is a horrible look. And I understand that it's not necessarily the NBA's responsibility, but they can they they can react to this a certain way. And to me, it's not a question of should he miss this season? Should he miss training camp? It's should someone like this that already had an off-court history that was less than stellar be back in the league? He's talented enough to be in this league, obviously. A guy that can average 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. But uh, this was really disgusting. And it makes you hope that they weren't true, the allegations. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not really betting heavily on that side of the argument here. No, and he had, he had just, a lot of maturity. Let, let me, I'll throw it in a second, Roman. He yeah. had a lot of maturity issues coming into this, as you said, uh, Chris, which is part of the reason his contract is so uniquely structured. I mean, he has a, he has signed a four year, $72 million contract, uh, last year. Um, and it, it's basically been a series of one year contracts where if he shows that he can, if he has a model behavior and he plays for the team enough games, then the next year, becomes guaranteed. Um, I believe that Houston will waive him before the start of the season. And I say that because in his contract, his guarantees increase the for next season. This season he's guaranteed almost $16 million. That's done. Uh, he has a $1 million wow. guarantee for the 2014-15 season. Um, and that increased to $3 million if he's not waived by the Rockets by the first game of this season. So I, you know, there's two months to go, whatever it is, month and a half to go before the first regular season game. I believe that the Rockets will decide to waive him, eat the salary for this season just to get off of that contract for next season. He, he was already on thin ice, Rowan, as it stands. 
Uh, the Rockets have been trying to revamp their roster, revamp their image, revamp everything about that organization. Uh, I, I don't believe Kevin Porter Jr. will be on that roster on opening night. For sure. Um, let me just say, first of all, obviously I'm not a domestic violence expert, and I want to be careful in what I say because I'm literally I'm trying to – we obviously all feel very strongly about this. At the same time, we're trying to educate ourselves about how our league supposed to handle this, how is society supposed to handle this, et cetera. Um, I think the league did a, just a terrible job with the Miles Bridges situation by basically – knocking games off his suspension by counting the year he didn't play and didn't get a contract as a suspension. And beyond that, I also think it's time that, you know, the NBA, like Chris, Chris mentioned, Herring mentioned, does a lot for women and has tried to champion women and has tried to be more inclusive of women than maybe some other sports leagues. But it's also frustrating me every time something like this happens. Like I remember there was a game last year where Miles Bridges went to a Lakers game and everyone was just high-fiving them on the court after. And I get it. These guys have relationships. And I'm not asking people to end their friendships. But, you know, where are where are also the players kind of speaking out against Kevin Porter Jr.? Uh, where, where are the people in the league beyond just the commissioner, you know, getting up there in a press conference, asked about it, calling these allegations horrific? Like, we see players... Uh, like we're not going to get into it, but when you see players like defending Jonah Hill on Instagram this summer, uh, for example, like they're aware of these things that are going on. And I, I just don't like when it feels like everyone turns a blind eye to this. Everyone just turns the page. Um, in, in, in some ways that, that goes on to, to protect people like Kevin Porter Jr. Almost. And that's just one very frustrating aspect of this. Obviously we're calling these all allegations for a variety of reasons, but if anyone reads the police report or the, or the injuries, um, that this woman sustained it's it's horrific's the word for it. It, it it's terrible and you know at some point it, it's not just punishments that there needs to be kind of a a culture shift in how this is talked about um how this is discussed amongst everyone in the league on all levels yeah i agree i agree uh and all we can do is i guess wait to see how it plays out in can, NBA can circles, i but mention one more thing about this too that like and i, I wrote a column about it i'm i'm can admit like I, I think the headline maybe could be a little different for it but you know it's, the headline on is the NBA needs to do better I don't think the NBA has really had a chance to even legislate this yet and as Adam Silver was saying in his press conference today they generally wait for the legal process of it to play out so I understand that part I think what scares me a little bit and I, I can admit to not having fleshed it out fully of the woman who uh, was the victim the alleged victim here um, if she gave comments to an outlet essentially saying that she hasn't spoken on this yet. And so all the things that are being attributed to her through prosecutors that she hasn't said those things to an outlet yet. So basically like she hasn't spoken her piece on that. And if, if those are comments she actually made saying that kind of saying that she hasn't spoken her piece about it yet, I really hope that it's not necessarily the first step in kind of trying to, make sure that charges aren't pressed here um, because it it shouldn't, but I think it kind of defangs the league from the standpoint of what they can actually do. And I think that's what happens a lot of times. That's what was rumored to have happened in the Miles Bridges case where people that were friends of his or acquaintances of his were essentially saying, you do realize how much money he stands to lose, right? If you press charges against him here. And it, it becomes kind of a form of witness tampering or kind of, victim tampering in, in, in a lot of cases where there's just so much money on the line for these players. So I really hope that particularly if this happened and it very much seemed like it did, 
um, that the league finds ways and that they find ways to strengthen their policies regarding this stuff so that people aren't just kind of lit off the hook when they do this and people essentially step out of the way or don't, you know, say that they won't testify so that people can't be held accountable for what it seems like are clear actions here. This is really scary stuff. It's really dangerous stuff. And these guys are not gods. They're basketball players. They're extremely talented. Um, They're extremely skilled, but they also have a privilege to play in this league because of those talents and skills. Other people can do this. Um, They just happen to be the 400, 500 most talented. It doesn't need to be them. Certainly not if this is the stuff that's happening off the court with people, with people that are an important part of our society. So I, I really hope that, you know, not to get in anybody's life, but I really hope that even if uh, claims are, are taken back or what have you, that if he did this, that he's not lit off the hook for it. Yeah, I don't think he he will be because like if I and part of this goes to his his own history and mm-hmm. the perception of Kevin Porter Jr. around the league. Um if and when Houston waves him, I do not see any team picking him up ever, ever. I mean, the, Houston was that one team last year that you know really didn't care. Like they were just trying to assemble as much talent as humanly possible and see what happened. Uh, you look across the league, who would pick this guy up? Who would sign him? Um, even a year from now, two years from now, I, I just don't see it. His career might continue elsewhere, but uh, I think as far as the NBA goes, uh, he's probably done. All right, so. Let's get into uh, some NBA stuff going into next season as we start to look ahead at you know, just how good the league's going to be, how competitive the league is going to be. I mentioned how tough I think the Western Conference next year is going to be. Let's look at teams that we are bullish and teams that we are bearish on. And Rowan, we'll start with you on the bullish topic. Give me a team that you're high on and tell me why. This, some would say maybe this is an obvious pick. I do think that it's an inspired one personally, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to I'm going to take it to a level that proves just how bullish I am, because right now we're recording this September 13th. I'm picking the Golden State Warriors as my NBA champion for the upcoming season. Nine months from now, whatever it is, we're we're going to be talking about the Golden State Warriors with Chris Paul. Winning a ring. I'm loving everything I'm hearing coming out of Golden State this year. Clay Thompson been active in the group chats. I love that Mike Dunleavy took over for Bob Myers and said, you know what? Enough of this two-timeline crap. We're going all in. I love what they've done, not only bringing in Chris Paul. I think Dario Sarge is going to be a good piece for them off the bench. They're going to have a full season of Gary Payton the second this time. This is the veteran-laden team they've needed um, and I think there's a renewed focus there after what happened last season against the Lakers. That's the first time Clay, Steph, and Dre have lost a playoff series together in a very long time when all three were healthy. I think they're going to be highly motivated. Right, I think they wait, have wait, a lot wait, to wait. prove. Let me let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me follow up and just give you a counterpoint. Please. Not, not to dismiss the Warriors. They're a very good team. But what has Mike Dunleavy done to shake up the two timeline there? Has he traded uh, Moses Moody yet? Has he traded uh, any? I mean, trading Jordan, he, trading Jordan Poole for Chris Paul is not breaking up the two timeline thing. If anything, you can on a talent level, you might argue that's a step back because Jordan Poole made sense as a sixth man. You know, if if Mark's my friend Mark Spears over at Anscape is right, and Chris Paul's the starter, oh, that makes any sense. Either. Chris there, Paul, Chris Chris Paul might start the first couple weeks of the season. He's going to be playing off the bench when it matters. I'm pretty confident. Um, 
And I, I do think training Jordan Poole that? was significant. How does Chris Paul take that? How does Chris? How does because you're just gonna like give him nominal starting minutes and say, here, you're still the starter, but we're gonna take you about three minutes into the game and go with the lineup that we no, like. No, I, I think, I think they'll give him a legitimate chance as a starter the first couple weeks of the season. And I think Why? everyone involved in the situation will you're realize break pretty up, soon. You're going to break up, arguably the best starting lineup in. Recent NBA history, let's say that. I know I'm hedging my bet there a little bit, but you're going to break up <laughs> one of the best starting lineups in NBA history to assuage Chris Paul? Okay, okay, <laughs> fine, then don't. Then, then him and Steve Kerr are both adults. They're both vets. They'll work it out in training camp, and Chris Paul will come off the bench. I, I'm saying is eventually when it matters, Chris Paul will come off the bench. I don't think it's going to matter what happens the first couple weeks of the season. I'm bullish on the Warriors, and frankly – Knowing your pick, the fact that you're trying to give me counterpoints right now Don't be spoiling is so absurd. Pick. I'm not going to spoil it. All I'm going to say is I'm very confident in my <laughs> bullish pick on the Warriors, and I'll have you know that I told Sports Illustrated this exactly the year before the Warriors won the championship. I said, they're going to be great this year. Let's get them on the this cover, said, et cetera, et cetera. You know. I called my <laughs> shot, and I'm calling it again. They're going to win the title this year. That's, that's a sizzling hot take to take a team that was like the <laughs> team of the back half of the 2000s. 10s to win the championship in 22. Boy, I want you filling out my lottery tickets. Uh, I, my problem with the Warriors, Rohan, is that I think they're too small. I, I still think they're too small. Darius Sark is the biggest guy on that roster. Kevin Looney, tremendous rebounder, but if he gets into any kind of foul trouble, uh, Draymond doesn't work as a five anymore. Like, he just doesn't. Listen, I, 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 I don't fully agree with that. I still think Draymond's effective at the five. I think Looney against was really outs- small teams against really outstanding. small teams. But Listen, who's small? If- who's small in that conference? Look at the top of the conference. Is Denver small? Hell no. Is Memphis small? Hell no. You're going to have to get through some big teams if you're going to succeed in the Western Conference. We're, we might not even be having this conversation right now if... Lonnie Walker wasn't inhabited by the spirit of Larry Bird for a fourth quarter um, against the Warriors in that playoff series, okay? So I, I just, the idea that they played Denver very well the last time they saw Jokic in a playoff series. Now, I know Jokic was missing a lot of guys, but size wasn't necessarily the issue they had against Denver. I know I Jokic was be, missing a lot of guys. Be. Jokic was missing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. That's a lot. That's like, an, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, who, okay, how okay, was who the has play? An answer for, who, has a, who has an answer for Stephen Curry? Let me just put it that way. I don't know which of these teams is answer for Stephen Curry. Memphis right now. My man Mark is smart, and Memphis is going to give Stephen Curry a lot of problems. <laughs> it's true. Like He's a great defensive player. Uh, Herring, you got any take on the Warriors before we go to you for your, your bull team? I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a bad pick necessarily. I, I think that <laughs> if they can if they can figure out the Chris Paul thing, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised that so many people think they won't work because of Chris Paul. I think if you're just taking it at face value and saying, does he, and also the guys that they have back now that they didn't have it full bore last year, Wiggins and and getting back uh, obviously Gary Payton the second. If you take that and and swap out Jordan Poole for Chris Paul, like who would you have rather had? If Chris Paul's healthy, which again is a big if, I wouldn't say it's quite on the scale of Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, but uh, having Chris Paul healthy and also needing to rely on him less than a team like Phoenix did, I think actually could be a a recipe for success for them. So I I like the idea of him working with their bench subbing in and working with their starters from time to time. I think that once you have that conversation and he takes it, however he takes it after a while, he's, he's a professional. He'll get over it. Um, if you do that, I don't think it'll be a season long issue whenever that does. I do expect it to happen. And once it happens, I think you move on. So I think it's not a bad pick. 
I do think yes, it is. I do think that uh, <laughs> you did start. Forget that's not a bad pick. Like you know, picking the Warriors to do well. Like wow, okay, okay. amazing, okay, amazing take. Some here people don't go. love the makeup you of that team with Chris ways. Paul. You can't herring, have it both ways. Herring, I do think though. You know, I, I do. You, Chris Paul put up some really good numbers last year. I do think last year we saw decline. And Chris Paul, yes. most notably with the jump shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch the way teams defended Phoenix when Kevin Durant was out there, when Devin Booker was out there. They let Chris Paul shoot like he was. I, I'm trying to imagine the worst shooter I can think of at the moment. But they Andre let Andre Robertson. Uh, <laughs> Andre Robertson. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, they they left a gulf between Chris Paul and the net. Uh, just to allow him to take open jump shots. I wonder how that's going to work in the Golden State system. All right, Herring, give me the team that you are most bullish on. I, you know, and it's weird because it's not like they've got a huge influx of talent coming in or, you know, went out in free agency and dominate or anything like that. Give me OKC again, though, because I, I really thought that they had a chance to make the playoffs last year, and that was without Chet Holmgren, who, I, you know, they asked us for our picks for the magazine of, you know, rookie of the year, coach of the year. I took Chet as my rookie of the year. Um, mm-hmm. So I I like the the idea of infusing him with the rest of that roster. I think he'll fit really well. I also think it's a team where so many of those guys are young. Shea Gilgis Alexander kind of took that start that step to really, if not superstardom, then whatever is right underneath that last year because he finally was playing for most of the year. It was like he kind of got, got the memo about the sixty five game thing. Um, or maybe the team like the did because maybe it the wasn't thunder did. exactly like the it thunder. wasn't him. I, I can say this because I profiled Shea last year. It was yeah. it was made clear to the Thunder early in that season by Shea's camp that there would be no and, and look, it never became a, a a possibility because the Thunder were competitive and ultimately got in. They were. to the play in, but there would be no shutting down of Shea in in 2022 2023. That was at the start of the season anyway. That was a SGA uh, mandate. Yeah, and I think that speaks volumes, right? I, I, I had had this conversation with Michael Pina, I guess it was this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier in the summer, where I told him I thought Oklahoma City would at least be a factor in the playoff race, if not make it. And so they obviously came up just a little bit short from that standpoint. But this is a team that should be better, considering that so much of the team was young. I think they only had... What was it last year? They maybe one guy on the team that was over the age of thirty, and even he, I think, got traded Muscala at one point. So this is a team that's really young. They've got three or four excellent ball handlers that are all really young. That um, you know that that you really can't just take away one of them because it, you know somebody else could be effective with the ball. They've got big ball handlers. They've got um, they've got Chet who should be great they've got robinson earl who is good from outside uh they've got isaiah joe who's one of the best shooters in the league and it's just a team that as they get a little bit more experience they're not going to jump up and surprise people i don't think as much this year but i also think that their talent will be enough to kind of push them maybe closer to 50 wins which would be a team that if, if they're even close to that um, I think would be one of the better bets as kind of a team that, you know, if you want to be bullish on someone, I don't think many people have them pushing closer to 50 wins, but it wouldn't be crazy if they did that. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be uh, really good. Um, I, I, you mentioned not sneaking up on teams, and that's kind of what I worry about with that group because they're not going to be this mm-hmm. quirky, overachieving bunch. Uh, they're going to need maturity. They're going to need organic growth from the young guys on that team. SGA certainly looks like he's ready to take yet another step after watching him at the FIBA Cup. Uh, yeah. But guys like Jalen Williams, um, you know, the, you know, Josh Giddy, 
you know, Lou Dort. Like these guys are gonna have to keep taking another step forward for them to compete in ultra competitive Western Conference. I mean, just to get to that fifty wins, which would probably put them in the top six. Like you've got to leapfrog the Clippers, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Denver, Memphis, I'm sure I'm missing teams there, but there are some really good teams at the very top of that Western Conference playoff bracket. I, and I need to see, I think, improvements you know, overall in terms of how they play efficiency-wise. I mean, they were, I think, middle of the pack, both offense and defensive efficiency mm-hmm. last year. You're going to have to get better you know, with your efficiency in order to achieve at, the high, at a higher level. And I don't know that just adding Chet is going to do that because I agree. I think Chet is going to be right there at the top of the mix for rookie of the year, but he's also going to have, you know, his moments. I mean, he hasn't played basketball oh, for in sure. what, almost two years. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him, no matter how much weight he put on. Um, but I do think I that's think some a, of it. Yeah, go ahead. Some of it for them too. And, and, and this is what I was saying to Mike last year when we talked about this, because he kind of shot me this like incredulous look when I said, I thought they could compete for the playoffs. It's also a matter of like if and when they decide they want to go for it, they've got more assets than anybody in the league. And I think that's part of it is if they decided that at a trade Damian deadline that they want to make Lillard. a move. Damian Ooh. Lillard. Damian <laughs> I mean, we saw him go Lillard. get Chris Paul. It's obviously a little different here uh, Trust from, me, from this, the standpoint. This is, of, I'm, I wrote this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe I'm going to call this an educated opinion. Still an opinion, but an educated opinion that if Damian Lillard is still on that Blazers roster in January, and if Oklahoma City is overachieving, if they're playing really well, and they look like they might be a Lillard-type player away from succeeding, don't be surprised if they go out and make a run at Damian Lillard. Because they have they have an enormous amount of draft picks they can deal. They have got a wealth of young talent what, they can what deal. Exactly, and by the way, hold, exactly on, this, hold you... on. This wealth this wealth of young talent looks great now, but at some point you got to pay these guys, right? Like So at some point they become pricey young talent. Um, they've got an interesting team. And you know everybody talks about that Lillard contract being an albatross. For a team like Oklahoma City, which would have no way of acquiring a talent like Damian Lillard outside of a deal like this. Him having four years, or in this case, three and a half years left in his deal, might not be as, uh, in fact, it won't be as problematic for them as it is for some other teams. I love that you're calling your shot on if the Thunder are very good and if Damian Lillard is still available, they may may make a trade offer in January. That's not exactly a prediction. Well, well, look, winning 50 (laughs) games in the Western Conference ain't easy. I mean, it's going to be tough. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's hear the team you're bullish on, Mannix. I am bullish on the Philadelphia 76 Come on. This is a bit. This is a bit. This This is not a bit. This is not a bit. You guys out there that think... No, hold on. You guys that think that everybody has to get along to be successful. I can't handle you guys. It doesn't matter if James Harden hates Daryl Morey. It doesn't matter if Joel Embiid can't stand James Harden. It doesn't matter if nobody wants to play for Nick Nurse. If it works... If the chemistry on the court is there, it's going to be fine. Now, I've said many times, I think you guys both agree with me, that James Harden is not going to be able to pull his get-me-out-of-town act for a third time in this situation because he wants a new deal. And if James Harden puts on the fat suit or if James Harden (laughs) decides he doesn't want uh, to be engaged in the offense like he did in Brooklyn... um, it's, he's going to pay the price in 2024. There won't be a team out there that will sign him for more than some kind of exception, uh, which is not the kind of contract that James Harden's looking for. So James Harden's going to come back playing well. Joel Embiid's the reigning MVP. Uh, Tobias Harris in a contract year. I think he's going to play well. I was talking to Drew Hanlon, who is the trainer to the stars of a lot of guys. He's been working out with Tyrese Maxey this summer. Could not say better things about the way Tyrese Maxey has been working this summer. I think he's going to take 
another step forward. This is a team that should have beaten Boston in the conference finals. And if they had beaten Boston, you know, would have had a very good chance of beating Miami in the in the uh, or conference semifinals and beating Miami in the conference finals. So this is a team that was already there last year. And I think they're going to be better. I think Nick Nurse is the right fit for a team that has a whole bunch of guys with some versatility on them, at least offensive versatility. I think this team is going to be really, really good. I think this team is going to be in a fight with Milwaukee for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference next year. That's how good I think the 76ers are going to be. Wow. Do you think they'll make the conference finals? If they keep this team intact, yes. I think they get to the NBA finals. Oh, my gosh. What? I just, I, All right, I'm I was just, with I'm, you until you, that. What? <laughs> you, well, this I'm this just, sounds familiar. I, I recall these these condescending tones when I picked the Lakers to get to the conference finals last year. I wasn't condescending with you when you, you said that. I was surprised. Outclassed. I wasn't condescending. You guys ate crow last year, eating crow again. It all it all looked not to hedge my bet, oh, but if the Sixers wind up trading James Harden for you know a bag of groceries, then all bets are off. But I think an improved Tyrese Maxey, James Harden playing at 100. percent uh, Tobias Harris playing at 100%. I like some of the moves they made. Pat Bev adds a little bit of energy into that locker room. Joel Embiid, if he stays healthy, which is always a big question with him, I think the 76ers are going it's, to be excellent no, this next year. This is listen. They were pretty good during the regular season last year too. It just doesn't matter. You you talk about how they should have beaten Boston. The reason they didn't is because Embiid and Harden combined yeah, for one of the most pants. spectacular choke jobs agree. of the 21st century. Just incredible hey, levels I've choking. I've clobbered Joel Embiid for like Joel Embiid saying I could win a championship somewhere else. You know, I got to It's all about. You know, winning. Well, you had your chance to win, Joel, and you laid the egg. You were up three two on the after, Boston Celtics with home court. After years of just decrying publicly, why won't they make me the MVP? My life is so unfair. Everyone says I'm only the second best player in the world, not the best. Where's my MVP? He gets it and then just throws up an all-time playoff stinker. Five minutes to go with a lead over the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum having the worst game of his. I just I can't take them seriously. I refuse, and I'm not saying that they need to like each other. And you're saying Harden won't go scorched earth since the time that you said Harden, you know, has incentive to play well this year. All he's done is gone on the record calling his general manager yeah, a liar. He, he doesn't have to see his general manager. Daryl Moore doesn't have to travel with the team. By the way, Daryl Moore Darryl is Darryl Moore's the one guy who liked him around the league. Like yeah, Daryl Moore's Darryl, the one yeah, guy it, it who's been on James that, Harden's it's side. Pretty clear Daryl, you know, shifted his allegiance to Joel. Like Daryl is now a Joel guy. He's not a James. Guy. I just. I just think even if they get the one seed, I'm not picking this team to make the conference finals. You talk, they made, yes, the Pat Bev signing is nice. That's like the only move they made this summer outside of getting Nick Nurse. P.J. Tucker's also going to be a year older. Last year, they got decent injury ageless. luck with Embiid. <laughs> I do love P.J. Tucker. Last year, they got pretty decent injury luck with Embiid, who then ended up still being hurt during the playoffs anyway. So I just I don't see it with this team. I don't know what changes they've made that are, are anywhere remotely exciting. The only thing they have going for them is right now, because of no Lillard movement, no one in the East has done anything either, but Not they had their They've gotten worse. Teams in the East have gotten yeah, worse. Fair, fair. But I just think Philly had a golden opportunity to hand it to them on a platter. And all they had to do was maybe Joel Embiid could take more than one shot. P.J. Tucker's yelling at him. Why are you passing out of single coverage versus Al Horford? I just, I, I won't believe it until I see it with Philly. Them, the idea of them making the NBA finals, come on, man. By, no by the way, who does? is there a coach in the NBA? Well, there probably are. Like, Eric Spolster probably does it better and maybe a couple of others. But Nick Nurse 
is really good at coaching through weird situations, right? He acquired Kawhi Leonard. That was every day. Is Kawhi going to stay? Is Kawhi going to stay? Is Kawhi going to stay? That team won a championship, and Nick Nurse was excellent as the head coach sure, that year. But I, I like I'll Doc just, Rivers, but I think Nick Nurse is the right guy for this job. I'll add this, though. I mean, yes, the Kawhi Leonard was unique, and he he did he handled that well. I don't know if people would say the Raptors have necessarily overachieved the last couple of years. If anything, I'd say the Raptors have been they one of the more Kawhi disappointing Kawhi won a championship without him. You know, what I'm, are they going to do? I'm talking... <laughs> I'm, but everyone was excited about that roster. Think about the way people talk about Ananobi, Siakam, Van Vliet just signed a max deal. They haven't exactly been world beaters considering the, the way people like the talent on that team. I don't know how much they like the talent without Kawhi Leonard. Like, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was the guy. You lose the number one player on your team, you're going to take a pretty significant step back. Erring... Uh, any thoughts on the 76 before we move on? I, I will say this. I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. I mean, first of all, I think Nick Nurse's um, relationship with, at least with Joel Embiid, has been interesting. Obviously, that can change and I'm sure will change now. <laughs> of course. Um, but it also was kind of interesting to watch the way that Nick Nurse handled the question about James Harden when he first got the job. And so the Harden situation, I just think it's it's hard for me and again, I'll go back. I don't think that I ripped your your pick for the Lakers to come out of the West. I remember thinking, well, that's interesting. It wouldn't be my pick, but like I've heard crazier <laughs> things. It was a it was actually like a really cool outside the box pick from where I sat. And then as it played out, it was like, wow, okay, Chris looks. He's this is making Chris look really smart. Is exactly. So I can't I can't lie about that. That said, I think this one is harder to <laughs> grasp just from the standpoint of there's so much of a question mark above. Philly's head right now because of the Harden situation. We're we're all guessing at best right now, just in light of how much of a question mark James Harden is. How you know how, how does he perform this year in a year where he kind of has to perform well, but also if he's as angry as he's saying, as he's frustrated as he's saying, if he's saying that he won't play for them at all, what actually ends up happening? How does that impact the team? Um, if they trade him, what do they get for him? It, it it's we're getting pretty late in the game to not know where two players of. Harden's caliber and Dame's caliber are going to play. Uh, so I think they'll both be back. From, They're both going to be on the their, the training camp roster. I think both those guys going to be there. <laughs> I think that's yeah. where we're at. Like if so not, I just, like this isn't a game of chicken. That I think Portland and uh, Philadelphia are playing right now. They don't like the offers out there, and unless those offers right. improve substantially, these guys are going to be playing there. So that's my only thing is I just even with if you wanted to say Philly will make the conference finals or make it back to where they got I'd have no issue with it I don't see this being their best year in a year where James Harden is is frustrated and we're wondering how he's going to show up I, I I could be totally wrong but I just kind of feel like there's not a whole lot to validate that specifically that this will be their best year beyond the idea of saying Nick Nurse pulls a rabbit out of a hat because he's handled a situation where by the way Kawhi was a better player then than James Harden is now. Um, not to say that obviously they have a, a separate MVP on the team, but I, I don't necessarily see this as this being their year. I'd be surprised if it was, but crazier things have happened in the NBA. So I, Tyrese, I understand it. it's, a, it's a cool pick. Tyrese Maxey going to take a step up this year. I believe it. I believe it. If Tyrese he does, Maxey. then maybe they do do that. All right, uh, Rohan, give me the team that you are bearish on, the team you are down on as we go into the season. Just the Dallas Mavericks. I, I don't know what's going on there when you have someone as good as Luka Doncic, and they just can't seem to figure it out around him. As much as I love the Grant Williams signing, I think he's going to be great around them. Just committing to Kyrie Irving and going all in on this partnership when they were they were good last year, but not particularly great or exciting for the caliber of player they seem to think Kyrie is. 
they missed the playoffs last year, as we've discussed earlier on this podcast. Basically, one of those teams to kind of look to back out of the playoffs down the stretch. I don't know that they're going to make it this year. There are a lot of good teams in the West. We just talked about how Oklahoma City is going to make a push. Even as bad as a team like Houston is, they're going to be a tougher out this year just from the fact that they have Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks there. I think almost every team in the West except maybe Portland and San Antonio is going to make an honest effort to get to the playoffs. And the Mavs, I just don't think they're going to be able to defend. The front court, I think, still has a lot of questions. They just punted on JaVale McGee after signing him to a three-year deal that was kind of baffling. So... The Mavericks, I don't know what's going on there. And I think if Luka misses the playoffs the second year in a row, I think that's going to start drawing up a lot of conversation, to say the least. I think they're in a world of trouble, too. I don't know what they should have done with Kyrie. Maybe you can quibble with the type of contract that they gave him. Maybe they didn't need to give him three years fully guaranteed at like 40-ish million dollars per year. Uh, If he plays like he did last year and he behaves like he did last year for the duration of the contract. It's probably worth it. He's still one of the best players in the NBA, albeit one that's unreliable. But I'm with you. They're, they don't defend, and they don't have defenders. And when you have two guys in Luka and Kyrie who are below average at best and no rim protection there, you got a problem. Like You're not going to compete at a high level. They're probably looking at a bottom third in the NBA defensive team, and you know that's not a team that gets into the playoffs in the Western Conference. I, I, I could see Dallas being about what they were last year a little bit better. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if it's a team that, you know, I, I, don't, I also don't know what the perception is of how much better they got. I like the Grant Williams pickup for them. I was stunned like a lot of people were that Kyrie was basically given three years guaranteed more or less uh, in light of, I mean, the guy is kind of a, a, a takedown artist from the standpoint of he <laughs> takes down teams that are pretty well positioned otherwise uh, that have good footing. And then all of a sudden Kyrie is unhappy or Kyrie doesn't like something. Uh, you know, that that's kind of where I'm stuck here. It's just that I don't love the idea of Kyrie being your, your keystone piece. Uh, you know, your, your offense is going to be good, but I wonder if even adding Grant Williams and having some of the other pieces you do, just you're not going to be good enough defensively. So that that's my concern. I, I could be wrong about them. They could be a world beater offensively. Um, we'll see. I, I still have to see how that looks for them ultimately, but I don't know that Grant Williams alone is going to be enough for them. So I, I yeah, understand I, where I, Rohan's coming I, from. I do like the Grant Williams signing as well. I think he was undervalued because of the way last season ended in Boston where Joe Mazzulla just lost confidence in him. But he is a versatile defender who, in the first half of last season, shot 41% from three. And I think that's more indicative of the player that Grant Williams is mm-hmm. than the guy that that really struggled to get time in the rotation for the Celtics at the end of the season uh, and the playoffs. All right, Herring, give me the team that you are bearish on. <sighs> uh You know it's bad when you're saying this about a team that finished in whatever the hell place they were in last year. I'm worried about the Wizards. I'm really worried about the (laughs) Wizards, to be honest with you. Uh, For all the reasons that Rohan was able to say that he was bullish about the Warriors, uh, Jordan Poole now becomes the face of a team. And, you know, look, it's not to say that it's the craziest idea, but he's a guy that, okay, so let's count the reasons that he's not with Golden State anymore right after they give him a massive contract. It's that we have questions about his shot selection, questions about whether he's willing to or whether he can defend at a high level. And, you know, I think normally when you look at those two things, you're raising IQ questions. And so this now becomes the face of your 
franchise at a time where the Wizards aren't exactly on the up and up right now necessarily. So we could be looking at a situation where the coach that they have is a lame duck coach, if not this year, then next year. So is he going to be the guy to West Unsell Jr. going to be the guy to bring this out of Jordan Poole? Uh, you, you just basically traded your top level talent for not that much uh, in Beal and Porzingis. So I just don't, you know, I understand that this is a team that walked into this knowing what they were doing and just wanted to wipe the slate clean. But, and look, Jordan Poole's not under a, a, a ridiculous, he's not getting 50 million a year or anything like that. But I just kind of no, don't know that he's the guy that is the most capable face of a franchise, him and Kyle Kuzma. With all, all respect to Kuz, shout out to him for having had a, a pretty good year last year and growing as a player that you're asking to create a lot more. Uh, I just think it could be really rough sledding for them. I, I do like the fact that they have Tyus Jones. I think he's one of the most capable guards in the league. But aside from that, I just kind of look at the team and the fact that they had, you know, Johnny Davis is a guy that barely played last year and they just got in the draft. So I just don't really know where they're going and what to even hope for with this team. I could see them being a lot worse than people expect them to be. I saw people reacting and saying, oh, Jordan Poole might, you know, lead the league in scoring next year he would probably be doing it on a whole lot of shots. And I just don't know that that's growing him as a player either. So that's the team, despite how bad I think they're already expected to be that I'm really bearish on. I mean, they are expected to be really bad. Like it, to <laughs> me, it's like saying you're worried about the wizards in the Eastern conference is like saying you're worried about the Washington generals against the Globetrotters. Like they are going to be brutally bad, like brutally bad. Uh, you know, this, uh, they said this. Look at their. I mean, mentioned Tyus Jones. He's a starter. Jordan Poole's a starter. Corey Kispert projected to be a starter. Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford. I can't think of a uh, lineup that that is worse than than that. Like it's just, it's bad, man. Like they're they're playing for that number one overall draft pick. They're playing to see if anyone from that Corey Kispert, Johnny Davis collection is gonna pop. I just don't know. That's, Pretty I, much. I don't know. That that's a team that like. I, I I don't even know if I'll find him on League Pass this year. I'm not even going to go look for him <laughs> to see to see what's going on with the with the Washington Wizards uh, this year. Uh, last thing here with my team, the team I'm bearish on, the Celtics, man. Like I'm bearish on the Celtics right now. And look, I gave them a little bit of leeway after the Porzingis deal because they did have some movable contracts. They did have some first round draft capital. I thought there might be another shoe to drop in the off season. But as we record this, guys, like. There hasn't been, and I think they're investing a lot in Kristaps Porzingis, who played really well last year, but he did it as a number two and oftentimes a number one option in Washington, and he did it um, on a contract year, basically. He was playing for his new deal. Uh, they trade away Marcus Smart, and now they're relying on Malcolm Brogdon to be 100%. I haven't heard much about Malcolm Brogdon's injury since the end of last season. That was a serious injury. I mean, that was an arm injury that severely limited him at the end of that Miami series. We were talking about surgery on it you know, into June, and as far as I know, we didn't have any. So is he going to be healthy? This is a guy that's been perpetually injured for most of his career. Was healthy last year during the season, but has been injured a lot during his career. Uh, can they count on him? And if you can't count on him, you're talking about banking on Peyton Pritchard who didn't play last year, Sam Hauser who fell out of the rotation last year. Herring, that, that's a team, man, that like they were successful the last couple of years because they were so good defensively. They were number one in defense two years ago when they made the finals. They were number three in defense last year when they made the conference finals. They have 
moved out Grant Williams, who, as I mentioned, good defender, brought in Porzingis, who I think as a five is okay, as a four is terrible. Like, that is not... You would not want to see Chris S. Porzingis defending as a four. Uh, they move out Marcus Smart, the heart and soul of that defense, the year removed from Defensive Player of the Year, and don't replace him with anybody else. Uh, you know, because the Eastern Conference right now looks a lot weaker than the West, I think that the Celtics are still a top-four team, but I, I don't see them being as good as they were last year. That's for sure. I think they've leaned all the way into offense and sacrificed some of their defensive identity to do it. You're you're asking a lot of Derek White, and I think you're asking a lot of Brogdon from the standpoint of just staying healthy, quite frankly. I mean, it's a team that, when the going has gotten tough, has had ball handling issues, and I think specifically Jalen Brown. And so taking Marcus Smart out of that mix, and, and, and let's be honest again for a second, too, that was not their preference to trade him. It was to move Brogdon first. Yeah. And then when that wasn't going to work, then they had to do that. But they pivoted to that within a day or so, within – the timeline that we heard about the idea that the Clippers didn't want Brogdon because of the injury concerns. So um, let's be honest, they didn't want to lose Marcus Smart, but then I think they were so far down that rabbit hole where they felt a need to complete the deal. Uh, So I I did not love that for them, if only because of the role that I see that he plays within that team. You mentioned the heart and soul, and it's, it's very rare that teams of that caliber trade somebody like that without having won a title first. Uh. All right, Rowan, last word to you. I'll just say, if you could have asked the Celtics before last playoffs, would you trade Grant Williams and Marcus Smart for Kristaps Porzingis? I don't think they would have done it. I don't think that. And that's essentially what their offseason was. So it's really that simple to me. I agree. All right. We will be back next week, back in full flow as we get ready for training camps to open in the first week of October. Read all of Chris's stuff over at SI.com. Read all Rowan's stuff there as well. Follow both these guys on social media. Guys, we will do it again next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.